Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome those of you who are jumping on. Amanda Grace here with you. We are back from Tulsa. So praise the Lord for that. We had an amazing time in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, it was wonderful to see everybody. Uh, we had a wonderful time ministering um, with Loudmouth Prayer and Marty. Um, and uh, we just so appreciated seeing the Antises and uh, getting to see everyone that we love. So, but we're back and we are back and we are diving right in. So I'm just going to say a few things. We're going to open up in prayer and we are going to get right into today. Public service announcement. The birds are out. So you may see them fly by. They're having their outside time. Uh, so basically, uh, if you see them, you know, say hi to them. And uh, welcome to everybody watching the United States and around the world. Very excited to be here in our Ark of Grace team. Thank you for helping us do what we do for the Lord. So I'm going to open up in prayer. Uh, we'll do uh, our couple of announcements at the end, and we'll get right into this uh, this rise of this spirit uh, known as Pythos or Python in America, how far back this goes. Biblically, what is the basis for this? And we're going to get into all of that. So Father God, in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, we come before you, Lord. We praise you. You are almighty God. You are high and lifted up far above every power, principality, and might. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise due your precious, holy, perfect name. Father, we humble ourselves before you this day, asking that the pull of the flesh becomes less in our lives, so you, your will, and your power become more in our lives. We acknowledge you sent your son, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, to the earth, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was the Passover lamb and the sacrifice for our sins. He willingly died at Calvary. He was beaten. He was bruised. His body was broken. He was hung on a cross and died a brutal death. And that blood, the precious blood of Jesus Christ, purchased us that day, redeemed us, uh, opened, opened the way for a relationship with our Father in heaven through Jesus Christ. Father, we praise you, Lord. He made an open show and spectacle of the enemy before all of creation when he said it is finished. And that he rose again in three days, ascended back into heaven, took his rightful righteous place at the right hand of the Father where he rules and reigns forevermore. Father, and we declare Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we honor that before you. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, we welcome your presence, the presence of Ruach Elohim, the spirit of the living God, and the presence of the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit, to fill this place, Lord. That the weight of your glory would fall, that the power of your presence would move. Father, that you would order my words, Lord, that you would guide this. Father, God, go before us, Lord, this day, Lord. We pray you fill us with all wisdom, counsel, my power, and the reverential fear of the Lord. By the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, by the spirit of the one true living God, may only the truth and power of Almighty God with authority now come forth in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we take authority. Through Christ Jesus, over every plot, scheme, contract, assignment, weaponry, blueprint, attack, strategy, sabotage, hindrance, interference, violence, slander, intimidation, bullying, threat, and the like that the enemy, satanic agents, dark forces, unclean spirits, Father God, would attempt, Lord. We apply the blood of Jesus and command it be broken, canceled, aborted, destroyed, dismantled, disabled, thwarted, disrupted, blocked, their communication lines disrupted, Father God, so they cannot carry out their plans, and it all bound up and cast back to the pits, the dry places, and the areas you have designated, Lord, to be bound there in the name of Jesus Christ and not return, nor have anything sent in its place. Father, take all the glory for yourself. 
You are the potter. We are most certainly just the clay. Father, without your breath of life in us, we don't have life, Father God. Adam was molded of clay, of the ground, of the earth, Father God, and you breathed into his nostrils, Lord. And because of your spirit, Lord, we have life, Father God. We praise you. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay. Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay. So there's a lot to go through today. We are going to put the notes up on the blog, so we will be doing that. But this has to do with this spirit of, of Pythos and Python and the United States of America. Now, interestingly enough, Donna had told me when I started working on this teaching, because this has been a couple of weeks in the making, this teaching, Donna Clement told me that her father had had multiple prophecies where he spoke about this spirit. So I'm, I'm, we might have to do a part two. I may have to get those from her and we may have to do a part two on it, but she was telling me about this when I was working on, uh, this teaching. So we're going to begin with the word of God. Praise the Lord. As all of you are jumping on. Hello to those of you jumping on right now. Welcome. And, uh, we are, we are charging through November here, uh, almost getting to, uh, almost getting to uh, Thanksgiving. So I know many of you are probably getting ready for that. And uh, we just uh, we just are going to continue to keep our trust in the Lord and our thankfulness to God for all he has done uh, leading up to that. So Acts chapter 16, we're going to begin there. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, open it up to Acts chapter 16. We're going to read verses 16 through 35, this entire account. Okay. So this is the, this is the scene. I believe they're in, they're in, uh, I Philippi or around that area. Okay. Paul is and Silas. And this is, this is a very important and crucial account, uh, to make a biblical basis for what we're talking about. So this is how it begins. It happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave woman who had a spirit of divination met us, who was bringing great profit to her masters by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us and cried out repeatedly saying, these men are bond servants of the most high God who are proclaiming to you a way of salvation. A way, not the way, a way. Keep that in mind. Now she continued doing this for many days. But Paul was greatly annoyed and he turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. But when her masters saw that her hope of profit was suddenly gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, these men, Jews as they are, are causing our city trouble. And they are proclaiming customs that are not lawful for us to accept or practice since we are Romans. Verse 22, the crowd joined in an attack against them and the chief magistrates tore their robes off from them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. Okay, we're going to pause here for a minute. Okay, we're going to go back to it in a moment. So we're going to pause here because it says chief magistrates, which are senior judges. That's what a chief magistrate is, a senior judge. So there was a crowd that joined with the, se the senior judges to attack Paul and Silas. Interesting, right? Verse 23, 
When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. So they're in prison and they're singing hymns and praises to God in the prison. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, thinking that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer asked for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So after all of this now, the jailer knows how real almighty God is, how he is far above the pagan Roman gods, and now wants to know what he must do to be saved. They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of God to him together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night, washed their wounds, and immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. And he brought them into his house and set food before them and was overjoyed since he had become a believer in God together with the whole household. Verse 35, now when day came, the chief magistrate sent their officer saying, release those men. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the chief magistrates or senior judges have sent word that you be released. So come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, after beating us in public without due process, men who are Romans. So basically he's saying they convicted us before they even examined us. Doesn't that sound familiar? They convicted us before even giving us our due process and speaking with us and examining us. They went right to beating them, which was a conviction. They threw us into prison and now they are releasing us secretly. No, indeed, on the contrary, let them come in person and lead us out. The officers reported these words to the chief magistrates and they became fearful when they heard that they were Romans and they came and pleaded with them. And when they had led them out, they repeatedly asked them to leave the city. So they had caused, first of all, the chief magistrates knew they were going to be in trouble because they had convicted a man, a Roman citizen, without giving him his due process. That was a very serious offense back then to do that. So as a, as a judge, as a senior judge, you are not supposed to be convicting anybody that has not been convicted of a crime without first hearing the case. And this is what happened. So what happens is to try to cover it up, they beg them to leave the city after all of this commotion happened because they, without due process, beat them, put them in jail. And, and the earthquake happened and, and everything else after that. So, well, before this happens, though, all of this, while walking through the marketplace, Paul and Silas encounter a girl possessed with a spirit of divination, right? Or a spirit of pythos we could actually apply this to. The python was the serpent or dragon that guarded the Delphic Oracle at Mount Parnassus, the Oracle at Delphi. 
Apollo was also, I like to say he's a false god because he is. Apollo was also the false god most associated with prophecy in the Greek world, particularly the priestess who were associated with the Oracle of Delphi. He, um, there's another point here that most Greek uh, readers of this story would find the story perplexing since a spirit like this give it, uh, clearly identifying Paul in this way would be viewed more or less positively. A Greek might think this particular oracle was a positive witness. So Greeks might have actually thought that Paul and Silas were servants of the Most High God, who to them was Zeus. So this demon, this Pytho spirit, was trying to cause confusion among the Greeks and equate Paul and Silas to being servants of Zeus, really. Because that's how the Greeks would have taken it when that kept coming out. That's why Paul was getting annoyed because it was counter being counterproductive to their cause of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ if the Greeks thought they were there to serve Zeus. So if this is the case, why does Paul cast out the demon if it is not actually telling a lie at the time? Because there's two schools of thoughts with this. The Greeks may have thought it was Zeus, right? Or this demon through this girl was actually trying to out Paul and Silas to the Greek people who saw Zeus as the most high God. And this spirit is saying, these are servants of the most high God, which is a God that they do not serve, which would mean they were enemies of the state. So there's two schools of thought on this, what this spirit was trying to do. So if the spirit was actually trying, this demonic spirit was saying that they really truly serve the most high God, almighty God, okay? And it's not telling a lie. Why, A, does Paul want to cast it out, first of all? Or B, why does the demon force the girl to identify Paul and Silas in this way? Okay. Perhaps Paul was not interested in having a demonic spirit as a witness in an area steeped in paganism. Okay. So the true witness in Acts is the Holy Spirit, not a demon. The demon may have identified Paul in this way in order to show its power over Paul or to out him and Silas in the sense of, I know who you really are. And I'm going to expose you because these pagan people will then see you as an enemy. In Luke 8, 28, a demon identifies Jesus as the most high God. And in both cases, the demon is attempting to express power over one who has been given the power over them. So it is a power move and a counteroffensive on the part of that territorial spirit in the area to out them, to show, oh, I have power over you, when that's not the case at all. On the other hand, Paul as a servant of the Most High God may have been misunderstood or understood in Philippi as a reference to Zeus. 
When Jews or Christians hear the phrase, they assume that the reference is the God of the Bible, but the people of Philippi would not make this assumption or connection. The demon is therefore very misleading since Paul does not serve the most high God from the Roman perspective, meaning Paul doesn't serve Zeus. He serves almighty God, Adonai, the Alpha and the Omega. The slave girl's pronouncement is not a single occurrence, but rather an ongoing problem for Paul. This was done for days. It is as if the slave girl is following him around all day because not only is she a slave to her masters who she was profiting, she was a slave to this spirit. This spirit was possessing her, okay? This is how serious this was. Luke uses the verb diaponioma or diaponiomai, which is in Greek, which means to be deeply distressed. Paul was deeply distressed that this was going on or to be greatly annoyed. This is the same verb used earlier in Acts 4.2 to describe the feeling of the Sanhedrin over the preaching of the apostles. They were greatly distressed. They were greatly annoyed. They were diaponiomai. And it was the word found in Genesis 6, 6 for God's grief over the sin of the world. God was greatly distressed because the world was filled with violence or Hamas. So in Genesis 6, 6, we see this word too of the diaponiomai. Paul is not merely annoyed. He is deeply distraught at the situation and casts out the demon without any ritual at all. So what is the point of this? Well, the story contributes to Luke's overall theme that nothing can hinder the gospel. This includes a very powerful demonic spirit, quote, the most high God, and even the local political leaders in Philippi. Perhaps Luke includes the story to draw a literary literary parallel to Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 33, where another demon identifies someone as the Most High God when Jesus and his disciples had the encounter with the madman at Gadaran. So it's interesting that these two are indeed tied together. And Philippi was a place of great sorcery and great pagan worship. And we're going to get into that because I'm building the case here to show you how this spirit has infiltrated America and what's going on in America. So Python or Pytho uh, presided at the Delphic Oracle, which existed in the cult center, in the cult center at Philippi, right? In that area. So at the cult center for its mother, who was Pythos's mother, they claimed? Gaia or Earth. Pytho being the place name that was substituted, okay, for another name. They ended up changing it to Pytho or Pythos. Greeks considered the site to be the center of the Earth, and there it is, represented by a stone. The Omophilos or navel, which Python guarded. So Pythos guarded what they considered the center of the earth or the navel of the earth. Why would it be called the navel of the earth? Well, because the navel is where the umbilical cord attaches to when a baby is growing inside its mom, the umbilical cord attaches to the mother and that's how the baby gets fed and gets nourishment, you see. So that's what they're equating it to here. Python became the enemy of the later 
false deity Apollo, okay, who they're claiming slew it and took over the former home and the oracle. These were the most famous and revered in the ancient Greek and Roman worlds. Like many monsters, Python was known as Gaia's son and prophesied as Gaia's son. Therefore, Apollo had to eliminate the opponent before establishing the temple at Delphi. Now, what was really going on here? Demons were vying for territory in the realm of the spirit. That's what was really happening. So when they think the gods are clashing, it's not the gods at all. It's the kingdom of darkness and these territorial spirits and these rulers of the darkness of this world who clash over territory. So it's interesting because they considered Gaia to be the mother of all life. And Pythos her son. So you see how the enemy twists that to suit his purposes? Because God, almighty God is the giver of life and Jesus Christ, his son. And the enemy took it and twisted it to feed it to the pagan culture, making Gaia the mother of all life and Pythos the serpent, her son. The response of the Oracle at Delphi. Okay. So when when leaders from all over the world would go to the Oracle of Delphi, okay? The responses of the Oracle of Delphi were often obscure, enigmatical, and couched in am, uh, ambiguous and metaphorical expressions, which themselves needed an explanation. So basically the responses of the Oracle when she, you know, prophesied were ambiguous. They were metaphorical. They weren't clear. They were vague. Okay. And who wrote this was a person by the name of Oscar Seifert in a dictionary of classical antiquities, mythology, religion, literature, and art. And often a priest stood by who would interpret the garbled words of the oracle. Before the end of the last millennium BCE, the priestesses delivered messages in the form of poetry. Okay. Um, they even wrote down words on leaves or other objects, okay? Because the enemy will always try to counterfeit what God has given. God has given the office of the prophetic. The enemy will try to counterfeit it and do it in this way. So although the seer may have at times been incoherent due to various intoxicants, some say the prophecies she uttered were often deliberately ambiguous. Lack of clarity and detail helped to preserve the authority of the oracle. So she was purposely vague and ambiguous. So she looked right, basically. So they couldn't say she was wrong. It might be better to be vague than to be outright wrong. This strategy may have kept the oracle at Delphi in high esteem for many years. Now, Pythos was guarding that oracle. The serpent was guarding the oracle. Thanks to the oracle at Delphi, the sanctuary became steeped in power, fame, and wealth. Although it had become an independent Greek entity, many groups desired control of Delphi. Thus, from the 5th century BCE until the 1st century BCE, various groups battled for control of the site. It was really the demons the principalities, the rulers of the darkness, battling for that territory. Finally, in 191 BCE, the Romans took Delphi and held it for nearly 600 years. 
However, in 392 CE, so after Jesus Christ came to the earth, Roman Emperor Theodosius banned all pagan worship across the empire and the Romans shut down and destroyed the sanctuary. In her final words, the oracle, the Pythia uttered, all is ended. So this is what was going on in Philippi at the time that this account happens with Paul and Silas. And the religious life of those in Philippi was marked by very um, synchronized, consistent practices, including the worship of the emperor, Julius, Augustus, and Claudius, and the Egyptian god Isis and Serapis, as well as many other deities. When the Sabbath came, Paul went outside the city to the river looking for a place of prayer. So when this, when this, girl encounters Paul and does what she does under the unction of this demonic spirit, Paul is really trying to look for a place of prayer outside the city. Why outside the city? Because it was steeped in paganism. There's too much spiritual warfare in that city for Paul to go and pray and spend time with the Lord. So he has to go outside the territory of these territorial spirits to go pray and seek the Lord. The Python spirit is a spirit of deceit, lying, and heavy spiritual tyranny. The spirit also gives into individuals, so this spirit also operates in witchcraft and the occult, divinations, fortune telling, right? Things of that nature. Shamans operate through this spirit. They do because... The gift God gives them at birth, they go rogue with it. And these spirits from the enemy, these soldiers of the kingdom of darkness, end up hijacking it through these people. So the spirit of Pythos is the gatekeeper to the spirit of witchcraft and divination, even sorcery. So it's the gatekeeper. Keep in mind I said that. Pythos is the gatekeeper to this. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 29 through 31. Do not rejoice, O Philistia, all of you, because the rod that struck you is broken. For from the serpent's root, a viper will come out, and its fruit will be a flying serpent. Those who are most helpless will eat, and the needy will lie down in security. I will destroy your root with famine, and it will kill off your survivors. Wail, O gate, cry, O city. Melt away, O Philistia, all of you, for smoke comes from the north and there is no straggler in his ranks. Philistia was like one of the hubs of this type of pagan worship. It was one of the, if you want to say, throne areas of the rulers of the darkness of this world, because we have principalities, powers, and then the rulers of the darkness of this world, okay, which are the most high ranking. So the rulers of the darkness of this world here are the most high ranking. The powers and the principalities serve them and carry out their orders. Okay, so that, that's kind of like the hierarchy there that goes on. And Paul maps this out for us, actually, in the New Testament. Qualities of this spirit. You'll understand why I'm going through all this in a minute. Very aggressive, protected by other spirits. Why? Because it is under the control of a higher power of darkness. Likes to try to stay hidden. Doesn't do a very good job of it. 
This is a religious spirit associated with witchcraft, perversion, manipulation, will hide amongst the tares. So you have to constantly ask the Lord to reveal these things that are hidden. So there is nowhere for this spirit to hide because the Lord's eyes are in every place. His eyes wander to and fro across the earth. So while the term Python spirit is not explicitly mentioned in the Bible, it is believed by some to be a type of demonic spirit that operates in a manner similar to the Python snake, which is known for its ability to constrict its prey. In a spiritual sense, the Python spirit seeks to constrict, suffocate, and hinder the life of believers and those God is called by exerting its influence in various areas of their lives. A python spirit operates in the realm of deception, attempting to lead believers away from the truth of God's word. The Bible warns us about such spirits in 1 John 4, 1, which states, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. The python spirit seeks to create confusion and doubt in the minds of believers, causing them to question their faith and promises of God. So it begins to constrict them so much they begin to doubt, basically. We've seen this very much often get into the church with the deceptive fruit of wokeism and entice the church to take a bite, constricting its ability to operate in the true power of God. And it's a significant part of the church has bought the song of the serpent and taken a bite of what the serpent, the serpent had to offer through wokeism. And now it literally is constricting around part of the church where they can't move and operate the way God has called the new Testament church to operate the spirit of deception, which this spirit operates in is also seen in the story of Eve's temptation in the garden of Eden, which is Genesis three, one through five, the serpent, a symbol of Python, uh, cunningly deceived Eve into questioning God's command and eating the forbidden fruit. This resulted in sin entering the world and the subsequent separation of humanity from God to combat the spirit of deception. Believers must be grounded in the truth of God's word and remain vigilant against the lies of the enemy. Why? Because God is truth. That's all God speaks is truth. And so what did the enemy do to get Eve to do his bidding against Adam? He lied. He did the opposite of what God does. He took a tiny bit of truth. Your eyes will be opened. Oh, but he didn't tell her what would happen after that. If you take a bite of this, if you eat of this fruit, you will not die. You see, that was a lie right there. So he took a little bit of truth and he mixed it and diluted it with a whole lot of lie. And that's a tactic of this Pytho spirit. Takes a little bit of truth and dilutes it amidst a whole lot of lie. So everything looks murky and it's hard to discern because that's what happened to Eve. A key tactic of the Python spirit is to create division, okay? Division within the body of Christ, uh, division in general. The Apostle Paul, Paul warns against this in 1 Corinthians 1.10. 
Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you perfectly be joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. The Python spirit seeks to divide believers through strife, jealousy, and other forms of discord, thus weakening the unity of the church. Now we're talking about true believers here too. We're talking about how Pythos deceives and part of the church eats what he's giving. And it ends up them, it ends up then drawing them away from this. And they start making revisions to this. And that is what happens. Praise the Lord. I'm sorry, my nose is like just a little stuffy here. I have something right here. My nose is just a little stuffy, guys. This is as real as it gets. I don't want anything running down my nose while I'm teaching. Okay. So moving on, but this spirit loves to work in conjunction with the spirit of fear. So they go out like a pack of wolves. They hunt in packs. These spirits work together in packs and fear is one of them. Um, and it really what he does is between that and the spirit of fear, they try to completely overwhelm and constrict an individual, a group, a church preventing them from relying on God's strength and uh, strength and guidance because now their eyes are on the circumstance and how overwhelmed and constricted they are. So to overcome that, believers, A, have to learn to trust in the promises of God. B, know how to use the believer's authority that we have been given Christ Jesus and cast all our cares on the Lord because he cares for us. You see, when our eyes are on the Lord. When we seek his face, that's what we see. We don't see the problem. We're seeking him because the Lord is the giver of the answer to the problem. And what this does when it overwhelms and constricts is it makes you feel like there's no way out, like there's no hope, and gets you to actually curse yourself. Because the serpent in the garden got Eve to curse herself. That's exactly what he did. And then she went and helped Adam curse himself. A spirit of control. That's another aspect. The Python spirit is known for its desire to control and manipulate others, waiting to attempt to constrict and destroy every aspect of their lives. Jesus warns against this in Matthew 20, verses 25 through 26. You know that the rules of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great who are great exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. So now that we've made this biblical groundwork, now we're going to get into how this has infiltrated the nation and what's really gone. It's not just our nation, okay? It's other nations as well. So we see the effects of this in the nation for some time. In the White House, in the court system, right now as Pythos has wrapped itself around the scales of justice and the judges it has deceptively enticed to pervert justice and tamper with its scales the same way the chief magistrates in Acts 16 rushed to judgment and were enticed to judge Paul and Silas without actually hearing the entire case 
and questioning them. Okay, very similar. So now that we have this background, we're going to go into the uh, the attempted advance. I'm going to say attempted in the uh, of this spirit in America. Now, I'm just going to share with you now a fascinating um, series of events here to show you that this is going on. Twitter changes its name to X around July 25th, 2023. Okay. A month later, a month later, August 22nd, 2023, Excel, who started Excel at Microsoft, which Excel is a, is a very key program of Bill Gates. Excel rolls out a feature. Microsoft rolls out a feature for Excel called Python. And they introduce it August 22nd, 2023. Okay. So Python, it, this is what it said about it. Python in Excel brings the power of Python analytics into Excel. Use it to process data in Excel with Python code. You type Python directly into a cell. You type Python into a cell. Think about that sentence. The Python calculations run in the Microsoft cloud and your results are returned to the worksheet. So, August 22nd, 2023, they roll this out. Two days later, yeah, they're showing you it. That this this is just it's so wild that this came out when it did. Two days later, August twenty fourth, twenty twenty three, Donald Trump is booked booked in Fulton County for indictments. So I find it interesting that their rollout for this feature was two days prior to this. Bill Gates started Microsoft. He started Microsoft, in which Excel is a key program, okay? So Python, or Pythos, is at the gates. Think about that sentence. Because Bill Gates started Microsoft. Excel is a key program. Now they've got Python. Python, or Pythos, is at the gates. Who did Python guard? The Oracle of Delphi, that area. Pythos is the gatekeeper to the Oracle of Delphi, okay? To the sorcery, which is rebellion, which controls and constricts. In scripture, there is a word known as pharmakia. I believe it's in the original Greek. They also have it in Hebrew, I believe. Pharmakia, which is the use or administering of drugs, poisoning, sorcery, magical arts, often found in connection with idolatry and fostered by it. Metaphorically, the deceptions and seductions of idolatry. So this word ties into all of this. Pharmakia and its derivatives, okay, pharmakon and pharmakoi, are mentioned five times in the Greek New Testament. The King James Bible translates these words as witchcraft, sorcery, or sorcerers. We can see this throughout scripture. 
Galatians 5, 19 through 20. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lavishness, idolatry, pharmakia, sorcery, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, and heresies. Revelation 9, verses 20 through 21. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murderers nor of their pharmacon, okay, which is a derivative of pharmakia. So nor of their sorceries, magical arts, or seductions and, uh, uh, deceptions and seductions of idolatry, nor of their fornication, nor of their theft. Revelation 18, 23, and the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For they, thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by thy pharmakia, were all nations deceived by their sorceries, magical arts, seductions, and idolatry. Revelation 21, 7 through 8. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and pharmacoi and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Last one, Revelation 22, 12 through 15. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and pharmacoi and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. So pharmakia can be translated as sorcery because at the time, the use of psychotropic substances was considered a dark art, going back to Paul and Silas in Acts 16. Binding someone's will with a potion went part and parcel with binding someone's will with a spell. Binding one, constricting one, pythos. So now that we have this piece of it, we have python, gates, Pharmacia. So August 2023, Python for Microsoft Excel comes out, right? At the end of August 2023. And let me show you the symbol that they've chosen for this. There's the X next to two snakes that are the colors of the Ukrainian flag. Now they roll this out towards the end of August 2023. Okay, so this is... This is something new added to Excel, and this is a new symbol. And if you look at it closely, it's two serpents working in conjunction, right? One is pointed to the north. One serpent is pointed to the south. You've got the colors of the Ukrainian flag next to a very large X. Now, you tell me what's going on here that they roll this out during this time right before the high holy days in Israel, uh, about a month and a half before the attacks, the horrific, horrific, demonic attack on Israel. This gets rolled out. You know why? Because that spirit, right? 
wants to try to appoint things at certain times that will work in conjunction with other interests and agendas in the kingdom of darkness in the earth. So this is their symbol. Now, interestingly enough, too, about this, you've got green. You've got a lot of green in this symbol as well. So you've got the you've got the the blue and the and the yellow and you've got the green. Green, there it is. In the biblical perspective, the pale horse of death is actually translated to green. Green is also their agenda with climate change. The color green is associated with that whole movement and deception of climate change. Revelation 6, 8. So I looked and behold an ashen, which is a pale greenish gray horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades was following with him. Okay, that's a revelation. So you've got Bill Gates. You've got Pharmacia, which could be equated to certain shots and inoculations. You've got a pandemic. You've got sorcery. You've got anti-snake venom in the list of ingredients for some of these um solutions, we shall say, for some of these potions, for some of these medications that uh, were meant to combat COVID. Now, Dr. Artis spoke about this. Yeah, look at that. There you go. That's a, that's a, look at that right there. Just look at this for a minute. There's the snakes. There's the pharmacia or the potions or the sorcery and the spells. And there's the green and the X. There's your equation right there. There it is. Now, the definition in itself of Excel, all right? So to to Excel, E-X-C-E-L, is to do or be better than or surpass or to show superiority or surpass others. So Python for Excel Pythos is showing superiority over others. Now, I'm going to read something to you from the National Library of Medicine that has to do with this. Among these bioresources, snake venom displays many bioactivities of interest, such as antiviral, antiplatelet, antithrombotic, anti-inflammatory, antimicrobial, antitumoral, COVID is a viral respiratory sickness due to SARS-CoV-2, uh, which induces thrombotic disorders due to, this is from the National Library of Medicine, cytokine storm, platelet hyperactivation, and endothelial dysfunction. Okay? If there's a doctor in the chat, they can um, they can decode what all of that means for us. I know what some of that means. Um so we're dealing with when this happened, when 2020 hit, right? And all of this happened, 50 years 
after the battle for Roe v. Wade begins. 50 years later, COVID hits, right? It is a respiratory sickness of a viral nature that constricts your ability to breathe. It constricted your ability to freely go out. It constricted your ability to get to work. It constricted your freedoms. Who constricts? Python. Pythos. Do we find it any coincidence that round two coming into the election year, Excel, who was started, who is a program in Microsoft, who was started by Bill Gates, introduces Python. These are the things you have to look for. If you have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit has to say, and the Lord will show you by these things happening at the times they do, who is at work in the kingdom of darkness, because we cannot be ignorant of the enemy's devices. Not that we obsess with them, not that our total thought is on them, but we have to be sober-minded and vigilant, for the enemy roams about like a lion seeking whom he may devour, and we cannot be ignorant of the enemy's devices. This is why we're doing this. So what do snakes do to take down their prey? What do pythons do? They wrap around and constrict and suffocate them. Definition of constrict, to make narrower, especially by encircling pressure. So an all-encompassing pressure is a key um, element of Python. Definition of con, C-O-N, to persuade someone to do or believe something, something typically by use of deception. Definition of strict, demanding that rules concerning behavior are obeyed and observed. So what does it mean when the Python constricts a nation, constricts a people? To deceive one by applying pressure and demanding that behavior is obeyed and observed. That's when you put the word con and strict together. Their definitions is what you get. This is exactly what was done to us during COVID. What is happening now in this nation in another way with wokeism, with transgenderism. And I mean, pray for these people. The Lord wants to see them saved. The Lord does not want to see them in bondage to to what two ideas that a fallen host has presented them making look like it's a delicate dainty for it is deceit. We see it with government. We were deceived with false claims, false numbers, and great deception at the highest levels. And through those deceptions, people were constricted in every way of life and demanded to follow and obey rules by applying pressure and releasing a spirit of fear. So as Python is doing this all encircling pressure. It is releasing a spirit of fear is released at the same time. We see this happening now in New York, California, various states. We saw it with Israel. Colossians 2 verses 8 through 10. See to it. That there is no one who takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception in accordance with human tradition. 
in accordance with the elementary principles of the world, rather than in accordance with Christ, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over every ruler and authority. Now, I'm going to show you something else here that I found very interesting. It says, land your first role with the most used primary programming language. The most used primary programming language. It says it right there. I know you can't see it, but under job ready, ready Python, it says, land your first role with the most used primary programming language. Primary programming language. Wait a second. Didn't PP... Weren't those the loans or PPL, primary programming language? If you take the first letters of those three words, you get PPL. Weren't those the loans they were trying to push during COVID? Wasn't that it? Primary programming language. PPL. Which snake or serpent had the original programming language to try and steal dominion man had been given by God? The serpent of old, the devil. Where? In the garden at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Job chapter 20, verses 12 through 19 says, Though evil tastes sweet in his mouth and he hides it under his tongue, though he desires it and will not let it go, but holds it in his mouth, Yet his food in his stomach is changed to the venom of cobras within him. He swallows riches, but will vomit them up. God will expel them from his belly. He sucks the poison of cobras. The viper's tongue kills him. He does not look at the streams, the rivers flowing with honey and curds. He returns the product of his labor and cannot swallow it. As to the riches of his trading, he cannot even enjoy them. For he is oppressed and neglected the poor. He has seized a house which he has not built. I find that very interesting. Because it says job ready Python or job ready Python. Who is the one that approached almighty God about Job? That serpent of old, the devil, the Python, the serpent. That is who approached the Lord about Job. That is who started that whole battle. Was the enemy approaching the Lord about Job? Okay. Now to New York State. Because New York State, for a moment, um, well, New York State is key. And I think what I am going to do here, because I see the time, is that what we're going to do is we're going to do this as a two-parter. So we're going to do this in two parts because there is so much information here. I want you to absorb all of this and we are going to come back and we'll be back on with a part two, okay, uh, this week in order for you to be able to absorb part one. And part two, we're going to get into New York State, 
the Shemitah's year when the spirit of Pythos started uh, really trying to accelerate uh, its territory in the United States of America. So in part two, we will get into all of that with you. Yes, this is a two-part teaching on the spirit of Pythos. So I wanted to make a couple announcements before we end part one here. Uh, and so uh, number one, Israel, for obvious reasons, and I know you all know this already, but Israel, the Israel trip we're doing in May has been postponed to May of 2025. So we have to do this. There's too much unrest. There's too much uncertainty. So you have more time to sign up. So if you want to come with us to Israel in 2025, you can go to, to arcofgrace.org forward slash events for more info. Uh, and that is announcement number one. Announcement number two, we're just going to put up Givaderm for a moment. I get a lot of questions about my skincare. I like to use all natural things. I think it is food for your face and it is better for your face. And so you can use promo code ARC10. You could go to arcofgrace.org forward slash ministry dash partners at, to learn more. Givaderm is there along with our other partners. So thank you everyone for joining us today. We pray you learned a lot. Part two is coming. And let me tell you, part two is jam-packed with what has been happening in this nation for the last 50 plus years. So we will definitely announce part two um, and we will come back and do that. We're looking very forward to it. So God bless everyone. Keep the faith. We love you. The birds love you. Armor up according to Ephesians chapter six. Psalm 91, say it every single day. It takes two to three minutes. It's a very powerful psalm. It is activating the living, active word of God. Why wouldn't we activate it? It is living and active. It needs to be active out of our mouths. We need to be activating it. We need to get into that habit. Uh, I also say the Lord's Prayer every day because Jesus taught his disciples to pray that way. And the order of that prayer is what is so important in teaching how to pray and uh, I know we're going to get into that at some point. We're, at some point, we will do a teaching on that. So God bless everyone. Keep the faith. We'll be back with part two. We'll announce for part two. Have a wonderful rest of your evening. Hello, everyone. Amanda Grace here. So as many of you know, Dr. Mark Sherwood and Dr. Michelle Sherwood of the Functional Medical Institute are mine and Chris's doctors. And so I went to Dr. Sherwood with a problem that I was seeing, not only with, with what I was going through, but with what other women were going through concerning their metabolism, concerning energy, concerning their hormones. And so we put our heads together and we are very happy now to finally be able to present to you Rafa for women. Rafa means healer in Hebrew. So it is an ode to the Lord because he is our healer. He put things in the earth that help heal us. And so Rafa is a product that was created for that. It also helps by helping with a healthy metabolism and natural hormones, as well as it helps balance fatigue. It helps with weight gain, night sweats, mood swings, blood sugar issues, and more. It is all natural. And I find more and more people are going into the natural arena in order to find solutions to issues that they're going through. 
So if you'd like to learn more, you can go to www.arcofgrace.org forward slash ministry dash partners to learn more about Rafa today. God bless. Hey everyone, Amanda Grace here. If you are looking for advice on financial matters, if you think gold and silver might be right for you, go to bh-pm.com today. Andrew Sorcini of Beverly Hills Precious Metals, who has been on Ark of Grace many times and loves to answer our viewer questions, is here with his team to answer all of your gold and silver needs. Whether you want to buy gold and silver, whether you have questions to see if it's right for you, whether you are looking to roll over retirement accounts, go to bh-pm.com today and Andrew and his team will be more than happy to assist you with all of your needs. If you want to support an amazing patriot and be a blessing, go to MyPillow.com today and use promo code ARK, A-R-K, to save up to 66% or more off of all MyPillow products. They have pillows, of course, but they are so much more than pillows. They have sheets. They have slippers. They have bathrobes. They even have dog beds. And a fun fact for all of you, Noble, one of our pigs in our animal sanctuary, has indeed slept on a MyPillow dog bed. So if you want to be a blessing, you can go to MyPillow.com today and use promo code ARC. It is an alternative to big pharma based on quantum physics, over 40 scripture verses written into these patches for everything from blood sugar, anxiety, pain, neuropathy, to immune system boost, dog pain. They are very sincere about um, having alternatives to big pharma. We are a big advocate of natural solutions to help with pain and, and, and blood sugar and a host of other issues. I yeah. tried the pain patches and, and they worked when I used them. When you connect it to your body, the skin patch changes changes your brainwaves. Sugar, this one is neuropathy. I actually have it on. And we use this on Toby, actually, because Toby's about eight years old. And from being paralyzed years ago and the Lord miraculously healing him, he has a little leftover with his joints and his hips. So we actually give him the doggy pain patches. What was he doing? He was running? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I walked him out and wow he's boom and he got power i said no way and i don't know i said amanda what what did you do to him to <laughs> <laughs> so it's good